In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one woman and one man will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Emily Jones and Eric Johnson star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Eric Johnson. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on iTunes and Google Play. Today we are shaking things up again. We are both going to be geeks this episode. We're going to talk about The West Wing, a show that Emily and I can definitely geek out about. Which means we're going to need a noob. Enter Riley. Hi. This is my friend (laughs) Riley Mesco, and she, unbelievably, has never seen The West Wing. That is shocking. I, I know. cannot believe that there's I, anyone who has not seen The West Wing. I gave her I gave her a very hard time when I found out. <laughs> like almost too much of a hard time, I think. I really honestly, okay, I've heard about The West Wing and I know it's like a thing I'm supposed to have seen, but I never I just never got around to watching it. So just, so why did you decide to start watching it this year of all years? I mean, I would think that you would be sick and tired of politics this year. Okay, I think this year I really just need it's like, you know, you got to have hope. And I think I really needed like a like a beautiful image of like what actually an effective government looks like and like people actually getting things done and like I'm going to miss Barack Obama so much. I love him. And so I was like I just need like some like happy political like some awesome political people just getting sh- like shit done. And also, I hadn't watched it yet, so Emily was like, "You still haven't watched West Wing? Oh my god, please, please just watch West Wing." And then yeah, she demanded I... that you not start until we could do a podcast <laughs> yeah, about it. And then she was like, "But wait, don't watch it yet." Cuz I was like, "Oh yeah, I think I'm going to go home and start West Wing." And she was like, "No, wait." what you could do is you could be on our podcast. And then I was like, wait, so I only get to watch the first, what? Okay. And then before I knew it, here I am. Like, what? I don't even know. It's crazy. So for those who don't know, it sounds like you already have a sense of uh, what The West Wing is about, Riley. But for those who don't know, The West Wing is a TV drama that ran for seven seasons starting in 1999. It features an ensemble cast, including Martin Sheen as President Jed Bartlett, Rob Lowe as the White House's Deputy Communications Director Sam Seaborn, and Allison Janney as Press Secretary C.J. Craig. Love of my life. <laughs> so as we've already established, um, so we've already we since we've already seen it and Riley has not, we assi- we have assigned three episodes that we're all going to go watch. Uh, they're all from season one. We're going to watch the pilot uh, and also a proportional response and the crackpots and these women, which are episodes one, three, and five of uh, of the first season of The West Wing, and they are conveniently all on Netflix. That is so nice. I just love it when that happens. I know. <laughs> I think we say that every time that something is on Netflix. Because because I think we, we just assume that everyone has a Netflix subscription. Obviously, that costs money to have a subscription, but it's like having electricity or, or it water. it costs <laughs> your parents money. <laughs> Depending on your circumstances, sure. <laughs> uh, but if you don't have Netflix for whatever reason, because you're a weirdo, it's also $2 an episode to re- or to buy rather on iTunes, Amazon, Voodoo, Google Play, all the usual places uh so however you're gonna do it go watch those three episodes episodes one three five since season one 
And then I guess we're going to talk about them and spoil the shit out of them after this break. Yes, spoilers ahead. back now of course we will get to riley's thoughts on the west wing uh in a moment but what you what our listeners know and you may or may not know is first eric and i are going to take a second and and name you know kind of why what we love so much about the west wing so eric how about you go first what's your west wing thing uh as always hard to pick one thing (laughs) but but um, if I had to pick one thing from these episodes, uh, which I think is also representative of the series as a whole, is the fact that this show makes competence interesting. Like, it, you yes. have all these really intelligent characters who are trying to do the right thing. You don't have sort of the classic TV conflict where maybe you have one, like, good character butting up against the world sort of thing. You have a lot of people who are very principled and, you know, are very argumentative about those principles – and that's really where the drama of the show comes from, is you have people who, who are, you know, in positions of power and who have, you know, uh, the the intelligence and the experience, the, the, you know, the track record to justify why they're there, you know. And so, so it's like, I think as Riley was getting out in the intro, we were talking about this being like a hopeful vision of politics. I mean... You know, it's it's so interesting to see them get a TV show out of that where you have this ensemble cast that's butting up against each other even more than they are against, you know, you know, people from other parties or from other, you know, countries or what have you. Um, so I just find that whole dynamic of these, you know, constantly pinging atoms bouncing off of each other really, really interesting. Yeah, I that's really actually not that far away from what I was going to say, which is I just like... <sighs> I I love these people. I want to work with these people, like, and not not even necessarily with these specific people, but like, like, like this environment. Like, I want, I I, I want, I want an Aaron Sorkin scripted life, like where I and, we all? and everyone around me can can spout out like all of the relevant statistics to whatever we're discussing right off the top of our heads and use them to make persuasive arguments, you know, talking a mile a minute while walking around our workplace, like, and just like, yeah, I I think, I think the way, the way you put it is really, really good. That, that kind of making competence interesting thing, but it's like, they're so far beyond competent. They're just like every single person on the show is like, incredibly smart and one of the best people in the world at the specific thing that it is that they do and like yeah and they i just 
I want to do that. Like, so, so, well, similar to what, similar to what I what I said about Gilmore Girls, where it's just like I just want my whole world to be full of people who like talk super fast and make pop cultural references all the time. <laughs> people, people would finally like understand me when I speak if I lived in Gilmore Girls slash Aaron Sorkin's world. You know, me too. This is why we're friends, Riley. This is why we're friends because we understand <laughs> each other. We speak at the same speed. <laughs> Um, but it's yeah, it's like I think like I just I want to live in a world where everyone is just capable of having an Aaron Sorkin scripted argument like right off the cuff and just like delivering some kind of incredible like smackdown verbal smackdown like Toby does in the very opening minutes of the first. Oh episode. my god! The, okay, when can we just talk the, when he's on the airplane? You can't use your phone until we land, sir. We're flying on a Lockheed Eagle Series L ten eleven. Came off the line twenty months ago carries a sim 5 transponder tracking system are you telling me i can still flummox this thing with something i bought at radio shack that's what i want to say when a flight attendant tells me that i need to turn off my phone like that was actually going to be the other thing i was thinking about saying for the what i liked right we will get to your opinions in a second but i just want to say quick tangent I love the way every character is introduced on this show. Yes. In, the, in the first episode, I mean, you don't really have the classic, the, the lazy writing thing to do be like, okay, and this is the office of Toby, and he does this, and this is Sam's office, and he does this. You just have the characters in the middle of existing stories and existing, you know, like, you have Toby arguing with the flight attendant, you have Sam picking up women at the bar, you have Leo complaining about the New York Times crossword puzzle because they misspelled <laughs> Muammar Gaddafi's name. Like, everything is so perfectly tuned to the characters. You feel like you're meeting people who are already in progress, and it's it's so well done. So I, I love the pilot to this show. Yeah, they're, and they're themselves from the very beginning. I mean, they're, they are they are fully baked in, realized characters right from the get-go. Like, yeah. oh, I love them. So, Riley, what did you think of The West Wing? Okay, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I'm not going to lie. So I do love how all of them were introduced. I mean, that was interesting, of course, and it, it wasn't lazy, like you said, like a lot of other shows. Um, but not going to lie, the first episode, I was like looking on my phone and I was like, okay, great. The president was clumsy. Okay, what are we doing? We're talking and we're walking and waiting for the president to show up. And I really, the first episode was fine, but I liked the other two better. Because like the first episode, it was just like, okay, first of all, I mean, I do love Allison Janney and like CJ. I mean, I live for her. I die for her. She's fabulous. I'm obsessed with her. I would watch the show purely if it was just her, like talking to the people. Being like, I think in her intro is her like on the treadmill trying to like flirt with the yes, guy at five a.m. That was so perfect, so perfect. It reminded me a little bit of myself, but I think a lot of people would like to see a little bit of themselves in CJ. So I mean, could be delusional on my part, but honestly, though, the first little bit, like when you're first meeting them, that was great. But then like the rest of the episode, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Great. When is the president going to arrive? When's something going to happen? I know that's a kind of a popular opinion, I'm sure. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I'm waiting. Like, it's not that unpopular of an opinion. I mean, like, I part of the reason that I like the pilot, I'm going to suspect part of the reason Eric likes the pilot too, is because we already know these characters. We're already invested in them. So when yeah. we go back and watch the pilot yep. now, like, we're oh, like, oh, look, so fun. And yeah, it's like, you know, it's like revisiting freshman year. You know, you're like thinking back to when you didn't know any better and, you know. That is yeah. a perfect metaphor for it. Yeah. It, it really is. It, it's nostalgic about someone else's fake life is, is what it is for, for us. <laughs> exactly. it's, it's revisiting yeah. the pilot. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, you know, it, I agree that it goes uphill from the pilot, like, a lot. Yeah, because I was getting a little worried 
with the first little bit, I was just like, oh, okay, so is it like I and I understand like I've watched the newsroom. I understand that with Aaron Sorkin, you know, you're going to have lots of walking and talking and lots of words all the time, which is great. Like that's part of what is so appealing about it. But then also I was like, okay, great. I do not care anymore that the president tripped or whatever he did. <laughs> and like, I just want him to show up and just do whatever he's going to do because they're all worried and they're all talking about it. And we're all just like, well, we're all in a fluster. And I'm like, can we do something else now? I'm tired of talking about this and I get like it's a big deal if the president does whatever because he's the president and obviously I mean yeah I just the first one was a little slow for me so I was like okay here's hoping that episode three which by the way I wish I had watched episode two sorry I, wish I had watched episode four because suddenly in episode three or five all of a sudden the president's very angry about something and i was like Why yeah so angry? i don't understand what he's so angry about we and should probably like, explain a little bit of behind the scenes as to why we yes. had riley watch one yes, three no, and please, five please enlighten me because i would like to maybe perhaps warn future participants future noobs in this case maybe explain yourselves maybe just a little bit i know i just want to hear the reasoning for sure we, I, I think a lot of it is that we just like episode three and five better than we like episodes two and four. Okay, but but there's more than not, that, though. Do you not think that in the first episodes of a series, for someone who's never watched it, be like, I still don't even 100% know all of them by their names. I just know them by like, oh, look, it's Chris Traeger, you know, like <laughs> trying to pick <laughs> that, up women. That's um, a character from Parks and Recreation, Emily. Emily hasn't gotten that far in Parks and Rec. What? <laughs> we just we just did the episode about Parks and Rec. Like, I haven't. Oh, and actually, that episode never aired. Yeah, because, I wasn't gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, the point is, I don't. I only just started Parks and Rec. Like, calm down. But no, I mean, there, no, there are other reasons. Like, um, the, for example, Mandy is the worst. Yeah, Moira Kelly. <laughs> we hate. We hate Mandy. And, and episode two, of, is, there's a lot of Mandy yeah, in episode Mandy, two. Yeah, Mandy is very, a, a lot of episode two is like about Mandy getting hired. Okay, yeah, so going back to introductions, her introduction is so damn annoying. I'm like, oh, look, do you know how cool she is? Ooh, she's driving her car. She's on the phone. She's so busy and important. Ooh. Yeah. Like, okay, I roll hard. Her character Mandy gets is, off to a bad foot, and it stays on that worst. bad foot for the entire season. Yeah, but yeah. then start of season two, it is hilarious because she is the ultimate put on a bus. She vanishes from the show, and they never mention her again. Like I'm not, not sure they explain even why she's not working in the West Wing anymore. She's just gone. It's like a that Twilight actually makes me thing. really happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she, she's basically like the fan unfavorite character. Like, I, th- I think there's a – I've talked to other West Wing fans who are just like, yeah, Mandy's the worst. Because episode two was so much about her, um, in our minds, we were thinking of that as the Mandy episode. What I did not remember was that episode two is where, uh, I think it's like the Syrians or someone shoot down a plane with like the president. Which you don't find out about until the end of episode three. And the whole episode three, he's so mad the whole time. And I'm like, why are we yelling? What's happening? You're so mad. Well, and yeah. you know what? The other thing also I will say in, in defense of our not watching episode two, episode two actually does a little bit of a similar thing in my memory. Anyway, it's been a while since I watched it um, to, to episode one where there's like a lot of stuff happening and you're kind of like, what the shit is this? Why do I care about it? And then you, you understand why, because what they do is they spend a lot of time in episode one, like established. Like I think that the president, 
does he get it? Is he gets a new doctor? Is that what it yeah, is? And well, like, it's it's it's. I think someone. No, it's an existing doctor. Someone he's known for a while, and it's sort of he's gained his annual checkup, his annual physical, and then um, I think it's kind of like a very buddy buddy sort of you know relationship with this guy. Clearly, they have a history together, and then that doctor is about to go on an international mission of some sort, and his plane gets shot down by terrorists. And okay. so it's like you know it's it's a and that makes the president much more sense. Who's still sorry? Go ahead. Oh, no, that makes much more sense. Yeah, and, and so the president, who's still relatively fresh in office, I think this is supposed to be his first or second year in office, he then is kind of wrestling, as you see in episode three, with sort of revenge and what he, as the leader of the free world, has the power to do in retaliation. Yeah, it's his it's his first big, like, international crisis. But, uh, yeah, like, so episode two also, like, it does, it, it spends most of the episode sort of establishing his relationship and rapport with his doctor, so you get why he's so mad. But it has a similar, like, why do I give a shit, why do I care, and then sudden payoff kind of thing at the end. Right. We just don't like episode two that much. Yeah. Well, I'm still gonna have to go back and watch yes. it now. Oh, yeah, no, you should I still mean... watch it. <laughs> you should, yes. Yes, I mean, and episode four. Yeah, so, I mean... What even happens in episode four? I don't remember. I don't remember. I think that one was much more... I think I think the skipping of episode two was like, ugh, I don't want to watch any of the things that happened in episode two. And then I think the, uh, the other decision was more about, like, that we like the episode, The Crackpots and These Women. That, I like, love that, that was episode why we, so much. That was yeah. why we skipped to five, because <laughs> we really like five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember episode four was um, it's it's that's a Josh episode and the focusing on his his efforts to get the um, the gun control legislation through. He's trying to get the votes for for the um, for the legislation around the the gun that the type of gun that was used to kill Charlie's mom when she was a police officer because the president pledges to Charlie the end of episode three. We're yes. going to do something about this. We're, we're going to. And so episode four is like them trying to do something. And it's about just like how the sauce, how the sausage gets made, you know? Okay. So. All right. Oh, and we is, is um, that's right. It's a big block of season. Uh, episode five is a big block of cheese episode. And that's yep. like, we just, we just really like, we just really like the big block of cheese episode thing. Yeah. The, the episode five is the first of several episodes that are like that. Okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> And so, so one of the things that I really love about episode five, just to explain why we like big, big blocks of cheese episodes are like, I love the way that sometimes every once in a while, and it happens especially in that episode because it's one where they each have to meet with like these sort of crazy people with agendas. Um, they, they, they periodically one, it's usually it's just one of them in an episode, but like in that one, it happens to be like all of them. They get like, they get like, weirdly super obsessed and laser focused on some like random thing like how cj is sitting in the meeting with, with the, the wolf the wolf <laughs> oh my god i got really into the wolf too i was like oh my god it's traveling and it's gonna it's gonna make it down to the oh no it's dead Oops. wait and, and riley did you re- did you recognize one of the people who was yes yes okay so i also have like a whole like my brain couldn't handle how it's like okay suddenly we've got like Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men is the president's daughter. Um, we've got Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec being this like in- complete opposite character to his character on Parks and Rec. And I was like, what? what is happening here? <laughs> and then, of course, there's also Chris Traeger in my mind. Um, and then also Dulé Hill from Psych in my mind. You know, yep. <laughs> I've seen all these people do a million other things. But yeah, Nick Offerman is the like environmentalist wolf lover 
That's my favorite. Favorite. And this like, was back. I think this episode was back when Nick Offerman was basically just Megan Mullally's husband. Like he was mm-hmm. like a struggling actor this time who was just like around because she was famous. Yes. And I also wonder if I have to. I didn't look this up on IMDb, but I also wonder if this is before or after his appearance on Gilmore Girls as one of Jackson's cousins. It's way before because it's 1999. Okay. So, okay, yeah, there we go. So, but he plays one of Jackson's cousins on Gilmore Girls later, and it's like, he's like a complete horn dog. So it's it's really funny. He's such a <laughs> an actor of range. Yeah. He is. He's great. He's great. Yeah. But no, if you if you do decide to stick with the West Wing, um, there, there are many, many, many mm-hmm. guest, guest star delights to be found. Nice. Good. Good to know. In- I like guest a- stars. There's some weird episodes with, like, Matthew Perry in them, which is oh, yeah, super no. jarring, because it was, like, after Friends was already gigantic, and so it's, like, it's, I can't not think of this as just being Chandler and the West Wing. Yeah, and it's... it's Get out of here. What are you doing in the White House? Pretty much. It's sort of um, toward the end of Friends, or maybe, like, yeah. the season of TV right after Friends ended, and, like, mm-hmm. he, he, like, jumped over to that, and then, of course, he was on Studio 60. Which I I actually kind of enjoyed Studio Sixty. Yeah, like, no, I didn't. I didn't hate Studio Sixty. It was just a really jarring transition from the West Wing yeah. to to Studio Sixty, and then it was like I I'm sorry, I'm just really not sure I can take this late night television show as seriously as we were just taking like the the future of our country. Like what? I, I think Studio Sixty would have worked better if the show within the show were actually funny. Because like the thing about the West Wing is you can delude yourself into thinking like, yeah, this could be a real presidential administration. But the fake SNL on Studio Sixty, like the sketches were never funny. And so the fact that everyone was so obsessed with them being good was kind of like, oh, you really care about not being good at your job, I guess. Like it, it was just kind of like it didn't it never quite Jill in the same way. Anyway, I have never actually watched Studio Sixty, but it's it's there's a, there's a lot to like about it, but I don't love it the way I love West Wing. I would say if you if you enjoyed these three episodes, I would say keep on going, uh, okay. starting with episode. Two. Christian Chenoweth talks about uh, Studio Sixty and West Wing a lot in her autobiography. Which if you've never listened to that, she reads the audio book of that, and <laughs> it's. Oh my gosh, it's 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 perfect. She's amazing. I love her. Yeah. Christian, yeah, Christian Tenworth is another is another um, late in the West Wing run addition to the to the team, and, and she's great. I love her. Anyway, back to back to the episodes that we watched. Yeah, back to the stuff we actually talked about. Yeah. <laughs> um, How do you feel about Josh? Okay, so Josh is which one is Josh? Uh, Bradley, Bradley Whitford. Whitford, the one who gets in trouble. Wait, do they not all get in trouble? No, yeah. they do all get in trouble. But Josh's have- the one who argues with CJ in, in his office, who's like there late at night sleeping at his desk, and then uh, CJ calls him. You elitist Harvard fascist missed the dean's list two semesters in a row, Yankee jackass. I, I, read that I one mean, down. I like him. I mean, I kind of don't like the only person I really love right now is CJ because, like, right off the bat, I just think she's awesome. The rest of them, I'm kind of like, you're all a little bit like cranky. <laughs> they are all cranky. Yeah, I don't. I haven't picked like a favorite yet. I don't know. I mean, I think he's fine. The fact that I'm not really okay because I did watch these episodes like two or three weeks ago now. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering him. So maybe I'm not as enamored with him as you perhaps are. <laughs> that was why I asked. I was wondering because I just like uh, my you know my my notes about the episodes we watched are like not not the most coherent or helpful right now. <laughs> but many 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 of them are like oh my god CJ or like Josh oh god I just oh Josh I love you so much like that's it that's like all that I wrote down. 
Sidebar about about CJ, though. In a recent interview, somebody, uh, a vulture, asked Shonda Rhimes um, who her favorite TV couple is. They were doing a whole thing about TV couples. And her response was like, she went on a little thing about how she doesn't actually like TV couples or find them that interesting. Um, But then, uh, like, the the answer she ultimately landed on was CJ Craig in the press room. (laughs) Honestly, that would get my vote. I mean, because Shonda Rhimes is responsible for giving us, like, ridiculous Meredith Grey and Derek Shepard on Grey's Anatomy. So, of course, she doesn't really like TV couples because she gave us the most exhausting TV couple ever, other than Ross and Rachel. So, yeah, CJ Craig in the press room, way better. Ten times better. <laughs> Honestly, and way more entertaining, less drama. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with Shonda on that one. <laughs> It's usually wise to agree with Shonda about most things. I mean, you gotta trust Shonda. Shonda knows. <laughs> um, back to the not being able to totally remember who Josh is. I do think this is something I noticed in these first episodes that we watched. Um, and this is true of a lot of TV shows, just of kind of their early run when they're still getting their footing. But I think a lot of the characters do sound more alike here than they do later on. The characters aren't quite as sharply defined in all the scenes. Mm -hmm. So there are certain times where someone will have a quip about, um, I think in the second episode we watched uh, someone quips like, What's the good of being in power if you're not going to haul your enemies in for questioning? You know, which is a line that at this point in the series could have come out of any character. I don't even, I didn't even write down which character said that. But there's a lot of like little, little quippy lines like that that all kind of sound like Aaron Sorkin and they don't yet sound entirely like the characters that was kind of my problem is that i like i was kind of so keenly aware that it was like oh i'm aaron sorkin and i'm writing the show and i'm doing we're all it's so good we're all so political and we're so smart like the whole time in each episode like until i really kind of got to know them sort of by the end of the fifth episode it was a little bit like by the way did you know just to remind you once again it's like every three sentences or something it's like this is an aaron sorkin show you're watching Aaron Sorkin TV right now. It's like, it was like constantly reminding me and I was like, okay, all right, I get it. You guys are very smart. You're very witty. Yeah. So I, that's a good point about not necessarily like they all kind of sound a little bit, like a little bit blended together in my mind, like remembering them as of right now. I'm sure as I watch more, yeah, it'll maybe like become more obvious, like who I like more and who stands out more in my brain, but yeah. Well, so we only got a little bit of uh, Delay Hill and um, oh God, I'm blanking in her name. Elizabeth uh, Moss. Elizabeth Moss as as, as uh, you know Char- Charlie and making um, chili together. So ma- cute. Ma- <laughs> which which sidebar to what I was about to say is uh, Josh trying to act as as Charlie's wingman is the most adorable thing. But um, what, what what did you think of kind of the, the little bit of we got of those characters because they're sort of our in, in my opinion our connection a little bit to the outside world because they mm-hmm. seem more normal than mm-hmm. the the you know hyper verbal uh, staff of the West Wing. Yeah, well, because they're young and they're kind of like they're also the least involved in like the political machinations because yeah. obviously she's not involved in the politics at all and his job is really sort of outside that purview more than everybody else's is. So I would agree that they're sort of more outsidery. I think Dulé Hill's like expressions, the first couple minutes of talking to all of them is really indicative of like how the rest of the world sees them. He's kind of like, no, I think you're mistaken. I'm not. No, I don't want to be a part of this. What are you talking about? You, all, you people all talk like you're crazy. Exactly. I don't want to be one of you. Like, no, no, no. His whole face the whole time. And he do- he always does a really good job of kind of looking like, wait a second. I'm I was just kidding. I'm in. I'm in over my head here. And 
I mean, I really like him as an actor. I think he's adorable, but I think his facial expressions and the kind of way he's like kind of looking quizzical the whole time, just being like, no, 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 that was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I also super love the exchange and I don't even, I don't remember who he has, who he has the exchange with in this episode, but like where he's just, I, I, once he's eventually sort of brought on and he's like, I've never felt like this before. It doesn't go away. I wrote down that exact same exchange in my notes. And <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. You guys took so many more notes than me. Like, I kind of <laughs> just took, like, general impressions that I feel kind of bad, but... Oh. We've done, like, 40 of these episodes, Yeah, so. well, and <laughs> a little overwhelming. I was like, oh, it's the West Wing. Oh, okay. What's happening? <laughs> We've done a lot more than 40 episodes. The first, Eric, the first season was 20 episodes long. Oh, that's true. If you recall. Yeah. Um, but no, the thing is, the thing is, if you actually read these notes, though, most of them are incoherent. There are a lot of quotes written down or just, <laughs> ugh, Mandy. And, like, things like... things. Things in that vein. Yeah. yeah. Mandy really is the worst. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you came around to that conclusion very quickly. Like the oh, first absolutely. scene. absolutely. The you, first scene. I was like, who is this bitch? Like, what is she doing? I get it. You're cool. You're in your car or on your phone. <laughs> yeah. And you know what else? Something. something I, cell phone. Something I noticed, like, in that way that you notice things when you've watched something already and then you go back and watch it again is there's a character who comes along later, played by Mary Louise Parker. Um who uh, is is very much a foil to Josh in multiple ways. And I always forget that when they first introduce Mandy, they introduce her as sort of this like odd, like prototype version of the mm-hmm. much far superior that Mary is so Louise true. Parker character. Like yeah. when they first introduce Mandy and like, like sort of establish that she has some sort of dating his weird dating history with Josh and an odd sexual tension and stuff. It's just like, Oh, I totally forgot that Mandy was them trying to do Amy before they figured out how to do Amy. Like, <laughs> Oh, and clearly whatever happened between them was a big enough deal that like randos in a cafe recognized the two of them and like, Oh, weren't you two dating just in case the audience didn't pick up on this sexual tension. <laughs> yeah. That was, I was like, okay, why, why do they know? I don't know. That was weird. Yeah. That is one thing that happens repeatedly on this show that I find a little bit implausible. And it's like, okay, I, you know what? I know that DC is a company town and like people in DC, you know, probably recognize these political operative DC people more than normal humans do. But like these characters get recognized like Mm -hmm. in the world. And I'm like, I couldn't name any of the people who currently hold these positions in the current white house, except for, maybe the press secretary and that's only because i'm in media so i'm a it is occasionally germane to my job for me to know the name of the white house press secretary i don't know who any of the other people are i haven't even i have no idea who i have had no idea who the chief of staff was since Rahm Emanuel left like i don't know who any of the so it's like i do find it super implausible how often people recognize these like behind the scenes white house people right it's like i'm gonna get excited about seeing like ooh, look like you know like miles teller is in in savannah this weekend you know like ooh, so exciting we could run into miles teller or you know some other hot actor dude i'm not gonna get that excited or probably realize that someone who works at the white house if i happen to be in dc like it's like eating lunch across from me i'm not gonna be like oh my god what (laughs) i'm not gonna get that way it's just not gonna happen um, something else that I put, I put down in my notes, and I, Emily, I'm wondering if this bothered you as well. Um, the music in the th- before the third episode, like over the credits in the third episode, it's slightly different. Like, what is that? It, it's it's like a a watered down like 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 they didn't they couldn't afford an orchestra version of the theme. Mm-hmm. 
wrote that down too. I wrote down like I can't put my finger on how this is different because I can tell that it's the same melody, but this is somehow imperceptibly different and therefore significantly worse. Because the theme song to this show, I mean, like the feeling, the feeling that I get in my chest when the theme song to this show plays with the like waving American flag and the black and white (laughs) pictures of them looking all like super motivated and intelligent and like and like inspired by their work, like honestly is up there with like the feelings that I have about like actual actual patriotic songs about our you know what i mean it's like <laughs> like the west wing theme to me like might as well belong in the in the canon with like america the beautiful like i like oh my god it gives me so many just like oh this show i mean the tune to the national anthem was a drinking song so i mean it's not that far off in terms of you know prestige of our patriotic anthems um <laughs> But but uh, I'm glad I'm glad it affects you that way. <laughs> no, but so it was really upsetting to me when the the theme over the third the third episode was like somehow not the right. Yeah, it, music. It, it's the same. It's the same notes, but it sounds like it's like played on keyboards or something. It all sounds like synthesized. Um, because I guess maybe they they didn't have the budget by that point for an orchestra or I don't know what. But then why couldn't they just use the bit from the first one? Well, no, the first, it, no, the first one didn't have the, the music. Actually, the music, the music in the first episode, I didn't realize this. The music in the first episode is the like upsettingly upbeat music that plays at at the at the like over the ending credits of all later episodes of the West right. Wing. There's some episodes that have like really sad, dramatic endings, and then he goes like. Uh, and it's just like, what is this? That is really hilarious, actually. But but I do love that 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 music. It works really well when it's over something that's supposed to be neutral or cheery. So yeah, but with you know like the one where he's like, okay, we're gonna press the button and we're gonna be in the war room, and then it's like the episode ends, and like, and you're like, oh, okay, well, glad we took care of that. We're good. Yeah, like. Yeah, and I don't remember it being like this when when they were on TV, but when you watch them on, like, originally, but when you watch them on Netflix, it's, yeah, every single episode ends, and it, like, fades to black, and it says, you know, Aaron Sorkin's name shows up on the screen, and then it immediately cuts to a still from the episode, and the, oh, oh, the credits, oh, it's bad, it's really bad. <laughs> Um, okay, question. Yes. Something as the noob here. Does every single episode end with some inspirational speech by the president? No. No. Because <laughs> that seemed to really be a theme. The first couple episodes, like, oh, it's that moment again. Okay, let's all gather around, children. He's going to talk. I think that actually gets to something kind of the um, the behind the scenes of this show. Originally, when they were developing The West Wing, it was going to be a show about Sam, Rob Lowe's character. And the president oh. was going to be a more minor character. Like, he was going to be sort of... It's sort of more like the pilot more of the time where he's there for inspirational moments and for for big moments, but that most of the show would obsess over the people you don't see. You yeah, know, he was like barely going to be a character. Like yeah. Sorgan really didn't want to focus on like some kind of president character. And then fortunately, they figured out that you can't actually do this show without like 
a, a president for all of them to be working for. Yeah, and, and like you can actually make the president a human character who who can actually, you know, do do what I was saying earlier. Like he can actually have real human conversations with his staff and not just purely be, you know, the president orating about important things, you know. <laughs> or or like brilliantly putting someone in their place, which I will say that is the first thing we see him do. And I do love it. I know you were like waiting and waiting and waiting for the president to come in in the first episode. But there there are several times when it's like, when they do something like that, where they're kind of spinning around and they're not really sure where the president's going to land. And then he comes in and just like, he usually lets the staff do the, do the verbal ownage for him. But every once in a while he comes in and is like, Nope, you're quoting the Bible wrong. And also let me tell you how things really are. And just like, bam, you're done. And they leave with their tails between their legs. And it's just like, yeah, Jed Bartlett. I mean, that is a great reminder of like why this character is actually president. And honestly, it kind of, I kind of wish that there was a version of this show, but like with Obama, because I just would love to him for like to see him as like someone's boss, like to go into work every day and have him be your boss. Cause like he's funny. He's really funny. <laughs> and I would love for him to like be like come in and like do the verbal smackdowns that President Bartlett does. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I do appreciate those moments, but sometimes like the first like, three episodes where you end and it's like we're having a moment here and it's like okay all right i get it he's very presidential well you, you might get your wish riley because there there's not one but at least two movies that i know of about obama that are coming out this year one that's already out called mm-hmm. south side with you which is about mm-hmm. obama's first, first date with date. michelle and then yes. there's another one called barry which is about him like I, before he was a, a political figure so there's there's it's not inconceivable that eventually the rest of his life will be mined for our for our entertainment let's <laughs> certainly hope so yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I guess one of the things that, that I wrote down, which is um, something that I, I really, really love about the show, and I'd like to hear kind of what, what, what you two thought of this, is um, the uh, – well, I mean, I, I guess this is kind of a pretty pretty widely known thing, but I mean the, the way that – the way that the White House itself, the building – is sort of a character in this show. Like this is something that I, I think Emily, I saw you posting on Facebook about yes. <laughs> recently in regards to um, the uh, designated survivor, the new Kiefer Sutherland show where the layout of the white house as depicted in the West wing is so ingrained in our minds that any show that depicts it otherwise is like upsetting. Oh yeah, no, really. In, De- in Designated Survivor, like it was in, the, I think it was in the pilot, or maybe it was the second episode of Designated Survivor. They were doing something. I think it was the second episode. They're doing something in the Oval Alpha office, and everybody's fighting, and Kiefer Sutherland is just like, oh, I have to leave. So he goes out the door. That is Leo's the door, office. He goes to Leo's door, office. He goes into the door to Leo's <laughs> office. Yeah, but that's not where he ends up. It's like he opens the door and he just goes I out, like the same thought. <laughs> into like an oddly well lit hall, and then like circles back around and somehow goes into the cabinet room. And I'm just like. No, that's not where any of those things are. Like, no, that's incorrect. How you can't you can't open that left hand door if you're face if you're facing the room out from the president's desk. You can't open the left hand door and suddenly be in a hallway. That's wrong. You're in Leo's office. So so did that sort of stuff make an impression? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying you guys are really into this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost cultish. <laughs> like, no, you're wrong, TV producer people. Have you, have, you, do you know the name of the podcast that you're currently on? <laughs> Remind me, what, what was it again? <laughs> Giant Geek. 
in this case, geeks. Geeks, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sensing that. Hardcore. No, um, I mean, I can appreciate that, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I haven't memorized the layout yet, so I have not been offended by any other shows. I mean, personally, when I watched, you know, like one of my favorite movies, Chasing Liberty, you know, with Mark Harmon as the president and Mandy Moore as the first daughter, her, you know, bedroom is like on the, like right on the, clearly not in a place that it should be, but you know, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, who knows? I like that layout of the White House. Mark Harmon is one of the, one of the stellar guest guest stars that has a little arc on the show. How can you not love Mark Harmon? Oh, I love, I love Mark Harmon. I have I, no know, idea who that is. Yes, you do. He's the, he's the bodyguard in the Black Vera Wang. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, he's like one of the hottest older dudes who just always is hot. He just has been <laughs> hot for a very long time. I watched, I actually watched an embarrassingly long stretch of NCIS specifically because of Mark Harmon. And then Ellen DeGeneres does Mark Harmon week, like every year on the Ellen DeGeneres show. How did I not know about this? It's a thing. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. We'll have a Mark Harmon podcast. Okay, we can, we can do that. We can do that. Um, that does remind me of, I was noticing a lot of things um, in the pilot. That same, that same thing that's true of all pilots that I talked about in the, in, with the Gilmore Girls pilot as well, where it's like, there is a lot of stuff that's uh, that's like subtly different, and you're just like, "What is this? Like, that's not what that person's office looks like. That's not where Donna's desk is in relation to Josh's office. Like, what is this? Because it's a pilot, and you know they don't have their they don't have their shit together yet. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that if you choose to keep on watching the show, is something that becomes, as you can tell, becomes important to people who who, who watch it. It's like it, it's something you grow attached to. Almost as much as you grow attached to just the characters, just the people who are actually saying things, is just sort of the the character of the White House and and the energy in it. No, I mean I can appreciate that because I mean again with the walking and the talking, like that's a big part of it. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah of course you get familiar with the layout, and of course you become a little bit attached to like I'm sure where certain conversations happen and and whatnot. So I can see that becoming a bigger part than I realize now. But I guess the, the well, way I'm I, thinking of it is sort of distinct from, to use the Parks and Rec example, like, obviously you, you know what the layout of the Parks and Rec office is like, but you never feel a strong sense of attachment to the office. It looks like a government office, and other than maybe the, you know, custom door that Leslie has installed for Ron in his his uh, office, there's there's not a whole lot there that's, like, special, per se, whereas well, the White House just feels special. You and, know? I, and I have to say, one of the things about it, though, is, like how for me i think is how stately it all is because you know like i mean mm-hmm. all of all of our offices right like i've been i've been in your former office you've been in my office i'm assuming that where you were i know you work in a co-working space eric but i assume it's it's some kind of similar thing it's like you know there are there are like like particle board desks and the walls are probably like white or off white and there's just like computers and fluorescent lights overhead and like we actually uh, we actually just moved to a, a very nice office with a amazing view of the san francisco bay i now have a very expensive standing desk overlooking the san francisco bay and the bay bridge it's very okay, fancy but as but as fancy as that is i'm going to bet that you don't have like incredible 
carved molding and a mahogany desk and and I don't think they make mahogany standing desks. No, yet. I don't I'll think let you know I don't I don't think that they do. But you know you know <laughs> what I mean? I mean all of the just the stately White Houseness of it. And it carries through the whole show because they also like when they go have meetings in Congress and and you know with people on the Supreme Court and stuff and obviously those buildings are similarly old. So it's like you know so they're all in like these like dark wooden chairs and it's just it's so just like it's the freaking White House, man. Like it's awesome. <laughs> like it's just so Again, stately. Like I think that's part of why I feel so much of an attachment to the, the buildings and the offices too. Is that it is? It's just like it's such a fancy place to work. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. It's hard to think about working in a stately environment when you're used to just beige, you know, <laughs> fluorescent <laughs> lights, fluorescent lights, just and no fancy ass standing desks like in California. <laughs> yeah. All right. um, Do you have anything else? I think I'm. I, I think I'm out too. Uh, but uh, really, I guess the the last question is really: Are you going to keep on watching? Oh, absolutely! Because I want to see more of Alice and Janney for sure. Um, also, I feel like I need to kind of just for my own like holes in my memory go back and watch episodes two and four. Yeah, you yeah, should. Two and four. And then also, I, I like, once I've started it, I kind of want to finish it. And, like, I've walked in on, like, my cousin, Andrew, who I live with, like, looking, like, watching different episodes. I'm like, ooh, what's happening here? It looks really interesting. So <laughs> I know that more is going to happen as I get more into it. So, and I'm sure at some point, like, he ha- he comes up for re-election and, like, all this. I'm sure there's lots of juicy stuff that happens. And also, I mean, Allison Janney, Julie Hill, I'll watch it. Sure. Yeah, it's it's and worth a, it, and a potential Mark Harmon sighting. Like, come on! Oh, and it's a great his he he has one of the best guest arcs on the show. It's so good, mm-hmm. and it also I mean the show really it only gets better from here until about season five, and then there's there's a little bit of a slump, but then it gets better again. So I feel yeah, like see, every every show has a little bit of a slump at some point, though. Season Aaron's, five, Aaron Sorkin leaves the show, and so and oh. then uh, and then um, does he come back? Rob Lowe leaves as well, so it's kind of it's it's, it's oh. a rough transition. Yeah, Yikes. <laughs> that sounds like a mess. But yeah, yeah, for sure, I will I will watch more. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's been on my list for a long time, but it's kind of almost like you know, like oh, I'm going to start reading War and Peace. I'm going to start the West <laughs> Wing. You know, like it's very like almost like it's like a it's like a big deal when you start watching the West Wing if you weren't already a part of the whole like West Wing fandom. You know. No, I, I get you can that. Just casually pick it up. That, that is also, me with Breaking Bad right now. Is like I, I know oh yeah, I need too. to watch it, but me too. Yeah. I also, um, you know, I I sort of have her captive for the weekend, so I I might you know I might force her to watch some West Wing. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys go do that. But we should say that we are going to do something special for the next episode of Geek vs. Noob. We are. This time we're both going to be noobs. Yeah, we're going to flip the script one more doing? time. What are you doing? I know. We're, we're uh, well, a friend of Eric's who is deeply obsessed with Hamilton is going to introduce us to Hamilton, which both of us have been trying. Avoiding? <laughs> yeah, avoiding with great difficulty for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to listen to that with my friend and co-worker, Amy, and uh, we're going to be dropping that episode tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the day that it comes out on Saturday, that episode will be coming out tomorrow on Sunday because we wanted to get both of our politicky uh, episodes out before Election Day. Yeah, we're doing a big, big, exciting American politics extravaganza on this pre- 
pre-election day weekend for you yeah. all. So, so this, is, this is your pre-game before, before Tuesday, so, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, until, until uh, then, tomorrow, uh, Eric, where else can we find you on the internet? Uh, when I'm not looking out the window at the Bay Bridge, you can find me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. What about you, Riley? I don't do Twitter. But you can follow me on Instagram, which is just my name, Riley Mesco, which is R-E-I-L-L-Y-M-E-S-C-O. Kind of the weirdest name I know, but it's fine. <laughs> and I am on Twitter at EJ Reports. All right. Well, this is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. Riley, thank you for joining us. This was awesome. You're uh, welcome. I know and... it wasn't as like politically charged as like it could have been, but I think we did a good job. Yeah. We were on our best behavior. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. This is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob signing off. This has been Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com.